Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the SEC East College Football Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. The most listened to episodes back-to-back. We're going to have another episode on SEC West coming right after this. Of all of our preseason previews, and it means that we're getting tantalizingly close to week zero and beyond. Can you feel it in the air, Colin? I can feel it in the air, but this is not the podcast where I get to talk about the Razorbacks. Now, I do get to be at home in the SEC. We welcome you in, Stucky, a couple of years, you know, moving into Lex, and now he's a part of the SEC. And I think by the time Greg Sankey's done, every team that's worth the shit is going to be in the SEC. So, uh, we know, we get to talk about the East, kind of the same dilemma we had with the Big Ten podcast, right? It's like it's, there's Ohio State, and then there's all these other teams. So with this, there's Georgia, and then there's all these other teams. So I'm, I, it'd be interesting to hear your take because I think you and I have a disagreement about Kentucky. SEC, like Alabama, which we'll get to when we get to the SEC West, they're the favorite to win the SEC. They're minus 400 to win the SEC West. Georgia's minus 550 to win the SEC East. Their win total over 10.5, minus 250 which is just ridiculous. I project them 10.84 wins. So I lean under at that price. I think they end up dropping a game. Look, they're gonna, there's going to be – everyone's out for them now. They have to replace a ton of talent. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they fall to, say, at South Carolina, depending oh. on what we get from Spencer Rattler, or certainly at Mississippi State, a team that I love this year. We'll get to in the SEC West. But I do have Georgia as the third best team in the country, but I wouldn't be shocked if they end up being like 14 points worse than Alabama this year. Will Muschamp in his defensive coordinator. They do only have four true road games. Like it's a pretty easy schedule for Georgia for the defending national championship. Their only true road games are South Carolina, Missouri, Mississippi State, and then Kentucky. So it's a pretty favorable schedule, all things considered. But they lost a ton, a ton of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball to the NFL. They also lost their best receiver to Alabama. Their tight end room is loaded. Stetson Bennett is back at quarterback. Their defense is still going to be excellent. You know, they're going to be favored in all 12 games, but I think that this team, you know, going to be a bit vulnerable maybe early on. Uh, If everything goes right for Oregon, I don't know, does Oregon pull another Ohio State? I would lean under. You can find like under 11 and a half minus 170. I wish it was a little better price than that, but I would lean under with Georgia. And I think they're right for maybe someone picking them off in the SEC East. This is like the Bama. Georgia's now up there with Bama. So it's like everything went right. They have all these pros. You lose, and then you're vulnerable for a year. Like Alabama was vulnerable last year. This year, no, uh nope. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Bulldogs this year? Yes, they are vulnerable for a loss. Someone in the East can get them. I don't 
think that it's going to be South Carolina. That is a really tough spot after playing Arkansas, but you're right, just 40% back on this defense. But does that matter? Are we in the reloading phase? Has Georgia reached the, you know, blue bloods of college football where Ohio State uh, returns two starters and all of a sudden everybody writes them off? Even when Alabama does do that, when they reload at their national championship, when they have like a historic team, they've rarely gone undefeated the next year, right? I mean, I was like the ebbs and flows of like, all right, we won it all with this, this ridiculous team. We reloaded. We're still going to be a top five team, but, you know, and everyone's gunning for you. And uh, so I, I would bet that Georgia drops a game here. Yeah. And repeating as a national champion is, is, is almost, it's nearly impossible, right? We just don't see it. Even Alabama goes every other year. And so, you know, 40% comes back to the George, to Georgia's defense as the defense was number two in success rate, number one in finishing drives. So obviously they, you know, Kirby's got it rolling there. This is, we said this years ago, Georgia is now the new Alabama. Uh, they're just dressed in Bulldogs clothes. So, you know, when you break down the schedule, like, I mean, I have the projected 11.1 wins. Is there a vulnerable spot on this schedule? Particularly, I think it's at Kentucky and back-to-back road games. At Miss State won't be easy whatsoever, uh, but, you know, Kentucky, someone's going to have to learn to defend these tight ends. That's the problem. Brock Bowers is a man possessed. Arete Gilbert may be the most talented tight end to come out of uh, recruiting rankings. Darnell Washington can hold his own tight ends galore here. And I'm not, I'm a little nervous about what linebacker unit in the sec is going to be able to keep up. If they change this offense, if Todd Munkin says, you know what, now we're going to focus on doing crossing routes. We're gonna do things with tight ends and motion. And that's going to be tough for, for teams to get a hold of. So we'll figure out, you know, how that plays against Oregon coming out in the opener against Dan Lanning. No one knows the Georgia defense better than this opening game against Dan Lanning. But then again, you got with the entire summer and spring, you know, this is all he wants to prepare. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that's all he's been doing. Every waking hour is yeah. game prepping for this game. I, I, I do like Oregon plus 17 and a half in that game for what it's worth. Yeah, because you're going to have a lot of Georgia athletes on the defensive side just roaming the field trying to make a tackle. So I think Oregon can be successful in moving the ball. Bo Nix season, baby, and his yeah. legs. And then Oregon does have a really one of the best offensive lines in the country, which is important against Georgia. Hi, producer Matt. Just a reminder, because I've gotten a lot of messages about it. Bo Nix season will not enter full effect for the 2022 college football season until our Pac-12 preview episode out later this week. I, I mean, I think Oregon money line in the first half could be a really good play considering what comes back on this defense. But they have some linebackers that can match up here. You know, and Stetson Bennett is back. Your your favorite Heisman candidate, Stetson Bennett, is back to run this offense again. He's found his groove. Todd Munkin knows how to use him. He's going to be, I mean, there's there's not a lot of depth now that JT, not that JT Daniels is really there, but, you know, Carson Beck is there. Brock Vandergriff is there. But, you know, Stetson Bennett is managing this offense, and actually he's put up better numbers than any quarterback he's gone up against there. So this is still the team that, to me, that's going to win the East. I don't think there's any value in the number. Uh, I do think it's an overspot. For some reason, I can't bring myself to buy these guys to make the playoff. I don't think they beat Alabama. I think they go into the SEC championship with one loss, and that means you're not going to make the playoff. So no futures for me for them, but you're right. I think I think Oregon first half, Oregon money line in the first half might be worth a play while Dan Lanning like unveils what the game plan was all summer for his old team. Well, you said Georgia might have one loss. I agree. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they had two, but as far as division futures, I took a stab on Tennessee. We can argue about Tennessee versus Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee, I found them at 16 to 1 at a book where when Kentucky was 12 to 1. Here's the thing. I have Tennessee power rated higher than Kentucky. I don't think you do. So that could be where discrepancy is. And Tennessee hosts Kentucky and they host Florida. Now, look, Kentucky doesn't play Alabama and Tennessee does. That's important. I mean, Tennessee plays the last three national champions on their schedule. But I think that this Tennessee team is worth a stab, a shot in the dark. I took them 16 to one to win the division. It's basically going to come down to can they go to Georgia and win? They go to Georgia. And if they do do that and they host Kentucky, I think they're going to win the division. Now, is it a long shot that they're going to win at Georgia? Yes. But I think these odds are worth it. And I think Kentucky is overpriced. We're going to talk with Drew Franklin later about Kentucky. There's, I have concerns about the offensive line. The young receiver room replacing Wanda Robinson. Is Chris Rodriguez going to be eligible? Coordinator change, and they lost a lot of talent on the defense. Dues for some turnover regression, but I'm lower on Kentucky than the market, and I'm higher on Tennessee. Now, we know Tennessee. I'm assuming Brew McCoy, receiver transfer from USC, is going to be eligible from everything I've read. 
Hendon Hooker's back. I, finally, he's back, and it's just his job. I mean, geez, what, how, how do these teams can't figure out that he should be the guy? Pro prospect, I love him. This offense will be a top-five offense, in my opinion. I mean, it was electric last year, and in year two of the system with Hooker back, I think it's only going to be better. So the question comes down to the defense, and, uh, the, and the special teams should be pretty good, too. It comes down to the defense. The defense was dreadful last year, so the question is, are there signs where it can improve? Well, there's more experience. I love what they did in the transfer portal, and it's year two of the scheme. And then if you look at some of the underlying metrics, Tennessee actually wasn't bad. They were pretty good, actually, on standard downs. They could not get off the field on passing downs. They were horrific on passing downs, and they were horrific in the red zone. Those two things are very high-variance stats. Standard down success tends to be more predictive. So I'm not saying this Tennessee defense is world beaters, but I think that they got a bit unlucky last year, and there's a lot of room for improvement. The offense is going to put up points, and they could score with anybody. Um, so I'm taking a stab with Tennessee. I also went under eight wins for Kentucky. I, I It sits seven and a half. I need eight for what it's worth. Um, I would pay up to like minus 120 for that. They basically, you know, I project them at like seven, four-ish. And when I look at their schedule, I mean, they have, if you assume, I mean, they, maybe they beat Georgia, but if you assume that's a loss and then you have, they have five pretty easy wins, although Kentucky sometimes gives you scares at home. Like it's like a Miami, Ohio or Northern Illinois wouldn't shock me, but then they have basically six coin flips. So if you assume they're five and one, they have six coin flips. I'm going to bet that they don't go four and two in those games. As far as win total with Tennessee, I project 7.9. Their win total is over 7.5 minus 170. So I don't see a ton of value in the win total. I just think, and by the way, they were one in three in one possession games last year. I, I think that if the defense really takes the next step, the offense is going to be a top five unit, in my opinion. Then there's upside here. With that offense, can, you know, and I'm a little lower on Georgia, and I think Georgia is going to be vulnerable. Can Tennessee? nab that game probably not but i think it's worth it at 16 to 1 especially since i'm higher on tennessee than kentucky give me your thoughts on those two teams i think i'm the exact opposite of you on both i mean tennessee i have no love for and when you mention the schedule and talking about winning at georgia alabama's on this schedule i mean there there is a stent here where we're coming off of a bye week we're going at lsu and then we're playing alabama there are just issues with this team like Listen, I love Hendon Hooker. I loved him when he was at Virginia Tech. I think the marriage with Josh Heupel was a great idea. Great things on offense. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to throw a lot of golf balls. They're going to kick a lot of mustard bottles on the field. But the defense is not there. They're leaky in the secondary. Their offensive line cannot protect Hendon Hooker whatsoever. And that is not going to improve with the defensive lines that I'm seeing on the schedule. Now, I am not that far off from your projection. I make it 7.1. It's not like I'm a big Tennessee hater, but there is a hell of a lot of Kool-Aid being drank on Tennessee every year in July and August, and they get on the field and you realize, you know, we've got issues here and we got issues there. Kentucky's a different story for me. I I, I mean, just I see, you know, some of the – way, this is the first time I'm drinking the Tennessee Kool-Aid. So, uh, okay. yes, I first understand sip. a lot. But this is, um, this is my first sip. Cue the Rocky Top. Tennessee has the best fight song in the league is not even close. Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee Hills. Ain't no My, I'm in with you this year, Knoxville. I mean, look, I'm family and friends are going to hate me for this. I'm just slandering Kentucky and talking about Tennessee, but um, I go where my money tells me to go. But so good. Kentucky, on the other hand, I just see a ton of stability here, right? We're talking 71% back on the offensive side of the ball. 82% back on the defensive side of the ball. You know, this is a top 10 success rate on offense, third and finishing drives. Now they get running back Chris Rodriguez uh, is coming in yards after contact 3.94. He was 12th in the nation when it comes to that. They return a ton on offense. I think they're going to be solid once again. They don't give up the ball. They don't have a lot of turnovers. They're not flashy, uh, but they can do enough to beat you down. 82% comes back to this defense. Now they had a real problem stopping teams from getting first downs, but they were, you know, top 50 and finishing drives. Their havoc did fall off a little bit. I would expect some of that to come back. Defensive coordinator, Brad White, uh, you know, that pressure rate came back down to a hundred, but they do have pieces on the defensive side that I think, you know, can actually, you know, get Kentucky back to being the second best team in this division. I don't see Alabama 
on the schedule, right? I mean, Alabama is on Tennessee's schedule. I think there's some easier games here. They get Florida a little bit early after Miami of Ohio. You're getting two road games out of the way right away. And I just, Ole Miss, we'll get to the SEC West preview. They're, they're uh, I believe, going to be a shadow of themselves, especially at the quarterback position this year. Florida, you're going to get Billy Gillespie. Uh, yes, we are dropping his name again. You're going to get Billy Gillespie in his second game. I'm sorry. You still, you still can't say his name right. Keep that still in there, Matt. Your brain will not let you say his name. Woo. All right. Get what are me. you betting with Kentucky, by the way? Are you betting the win total or are you betting the I'm betting. Uh, no, I make it 8.2. I'm betting the over on these guys. I'm betting the over on their win total. I believe in Kentucky. I think they're the second best team in the East right now. Head to head, you and I on Kentucky. Yep. I can't believe it. Well, do you not like the mayo in the coffee? This kid's if the, if he can do all this shit that he's doing on social media, he can run through any any defense except for Georgia. I also think that Will I, this all the love that Will Levis is getting is shocking to me. It's like number one overall pick. Um, like Carson Strong was getting last year, then he went undrafted, which is pretty crazy. Same thing with Malik Willis. I, I, I can't see. I don't think Will Levis is going to end up being a top number one pick, but we'll see. And I'll have to make do without Wandal Robinson, a massive loss, responsible for forty three percent other explosive plays last year, most in college football, even more than your boy, Traylon Burks, who was second. We'll get to Arkansas. The impact of his loss in the SEC West for you. But let's move on to the team with the fourth best. odds. the only one really in the conversation that anyone else could make a case for is Florida 16 to one over seven minus 115. Brand new staff in Billy Napier, not Gillespie and new coordinators. Scared money don't make money, you know. They were one in four, one possession games last year. They kind of qu- maybe quit down the stretch. I will say with Napier, he runs like a spread option attack that Levi Lewis really excelled in at Louisiana. So Anthony Richardson, who's had accuracy issues throwing the ball, but obviously he's really electric. A lot of explosive plays with his arm, but the down to down accuracy leaves a lot to be desired. But he obviously can do a lot with his legs. He should he, his skill set should at least fit the scheme that Napier wants to run on offense. You know, there are questions on this defensive line. They're going to be expected to run a 3-3-5. Outside of Dexter, the defensive line has some questions. Depth overall, there are some questions. But it's a decent roster. I still think it's going to take – there's going to be growing pains in Napier's first year. You know, when you look at the schedule, you, you start with Utah and Kentucky at home. Then you're at, you have USF. Then you're at Tennessee. That's a tough three, three of their first four games. That's really tough for a team with a new staff new schemes so they really could start one and three but you know if you get that utah game all of a sudden things are looking a lot rosier in gainesville so a good thing with their start of their schedule is only they only leave the state of florida once prior to november 5th six of their first seven games are at home Um, and then you know they will play georgia and jacksonville and then they close off up the season at florida state so the total at what over seven minus 115 i think is about right. If I if you put a gun to my head, I'd bet the under, but I'm staying away from Florida. Do you have any hot takes here? No, I'm at six on the win total. I am well below a lot of other projections. I'm well below the the win total. Shocker. I would, yeah, I would take an under here because you got to get to eight wins to to cash this ticket. And I'm looking at the schedule. And after this bye week, we're looking at Georgia, Texas A&M. We just have one home game after the bye week, by the way. When they play on October 15th against LSU at home, they'll be in Gainesville just once the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, be road tested and get some wins there. But Georgia, Texas A&M and South Carolina, you know, back to back to back are how beat up are they going to be when they go and play Vanderbilt? And I'm not sitting here claiming Vanderbilt's going to get an upset victory. Uh, but, you know, how much are you overlooking Florida State, which is going to be big for the recruiting pipeline and and big for Billy, not Gillespie Napier uh, to come back and, 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 you know, go into the see if he can make a bowl game, which he should from the projection. But I think it's going to be six. The third and Grantham thing is going to take a while to get back from. This defense was so bad on third downs under Todd Grantham with Dan Mullen. I still don't know who that Florida team was that challenged Alabama there and then was, you know, stuffing runs at the line of the there because it didn't show up in the stats for the rest of the season. Offensively, I mean, we love Anthony Richardson. We love to put our money behind him, but is he the only weapon that they have? Uh, he's really kind of questionable when it comes to the passing game. What's he going to do in third and long? I mean, he is an electric player and he can break any run, you know, needed. So can he stay healthy instead of doing break dancing and pulling a hamstring or a knee or whatever it was. Uh, But, you know, they, I think they are improving. The defense is going to improve. The offense has got to get back to, you know, doing what they do best. I just don't think they're there. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to back a coach moving from the Sun Belt to the SEC and looking at a schedule like this. 
because if you get injuries piling up and then you hit your bye week and you're only home once for the rest of the year, this can be a pretty long season. So we'll see what they do. There's going to be a lot of RPOs and pistol formation and zone runs out of Anthony Richardson. That's going to be great. But like a couple other teams, especially the one in the university I graduated from, when you get off schedule, what can your quarterback do? And in this case, I am not putting my money behind it. Yeah, my concern would be, you know, I'm pretty close. I'm a little under, right, barely under seven, but marginal. But my concern would be, you know, it comes down to those first, those first two games are huge against Utah and Kentucky. Yep. They're essentially coin flips. When I say coin flips, I mean like spread between four and four, generally speaking. They're installing a lot of new things with the new staff, and you get those two games right away. And then I mentioned the depth. There are some depth questions at a number of different key position groups. So then later in the year, after that gauntlet, like you said, how beat up are they and how bad does that lack of depth at certain areas hurt? So it would be under nothing for me, but I don't show enough value to hit it. All right, let's hit the last three teams in the SEC East before we get to Drew. South Carolina, 40 to one to win the East, over six and a half plus 120. Um, you know, if they should be favored in five games, I think this number is about right, similarly to Florida. It's year two, Shane Beamer. He brings in Spencer Rattler. Last year they were starting walk, they were starting receivers at quarterback in the bowl game, which they had somehow beat North Carolina with. Beamer and Rattler were together in OU in 2019-20. This is also the first time South Carolina has the same defensive line coach in five years. So they're starting to have some continuity. But this look, all this is, and they also they also have a pretty veteran offensive line. All this is it comes down to Spencer Rattler. Can he get back to who he was? And I'm not talking about to win the SEC. I'm talking about to go over the win total. Um, can he back to who he was, who he was supposed to be? Is he kind of shook from what happened at Oklahoma? Is it going to take him time to adjust? So I think this is – it's going to be interesting. This is a team to watch early on. They open with Georgia State, which could be tricky, one of the most experienced teams in the country. And then they're at Arkansas, and then home against Georgia. Not very forgiving schedule early on. So, you know, they have Charlotte at home, South Carolina State. If you assume Georgia State at home is also a win, you know, you get Missouri at home, you're at Vanderbilt. Um, so there's, you know, there's five pretty winnable games on the schedule. And then it's a matter of, okay, can you pick off Texas A&M at home? Um, can you beat Tennessee at home to get to six? So I'm at like five. Let's see, I'm at uh, – their win total is sitting at over six and a half plus one twenty. I'm at five nine five, so I guess I would lean under. I think they probably end up finishing six and six if Rattler is not a complete disaster. I like what Beamer's doing with this program, um, but I'm not going over yet, and uh, I just don't know what to really expect from Rattler. What do you think with the Cox? <laughs> you mean the team that cost us a whole bunch of money last year? Like we had a, a very large, I had a very large position on the under and this team won three games that were decided within four points. Uh, they had the horseshoe up the ass, especially at the quarterback position. But, you know, I'm not going to go and say that, you know, Shane Beamer's lucky. I think he actually is a really good coach and he's going to have a lot of success in South Carolina. That is if a bigger program doesn't come calling and take him out of there. Uh, the amount of transfers that they got, you know, they're only 18th in FBS and the number of players they got, which was nine. And, and you know, really, they were 12th in uh, snaps that they gained, 8,250. Uh, 8, but the problem is, is this is not a problem, but the snaps that they got were from excellent players. I mean, besides Spencer Rattler, they bring in a boatload of playmakers, some good players on defense. Uh, and that it's just interesting to see how that's going to mesh, especially when you start off with a Georgia State team. Uh, that is pretty stout from a Sunbelt perspective, from from experience. Uh, it, it should be interesting to see because South Carolina should always outclass them, but Georgia State is right up there. And if South Carolina takes it easy, you got Arkansas the next week coming to town. Uh, and that's going to be really interesting because Spencer Rattler does not do well with pressure and his footwork is not as good as some other quarterbacks we've seen. When Caleb Williams came into play, it was just like a completely different animal. Now, at that point, was Spencer Rattler checked out? Had he bought too much of himself in, you know, I, there's a lot of stories coming out of OU in that locker room. And so you have to wonder like where Spencer Rattler's head is now that he's at South Carolina. And is he a little bit more humble and ready to hit targets and make some money? He struggles with pressure. And this is an offensive line that, you know, returns less than half their snaps from last year. Now, a lot of the players on the offensive line have starting experience, but, you know, they do take a hit and the offensive line 
was not a very high performing unit last year. So they have to keep Rattler clean. They have to keep the pocket empty of any, you know, any blitzes or, uh, you know, or else Rattler is going to get off pace. He's not going to be able to hit his, his targets, especially his tight end that followed him from OU. And, you know, the defensive front, the front seven, they're not really uh, up there when it comes to applying pressure. That's going to be an issue here. They do bring in, you know, some players from the transfer portal that should be able to help out with that. In general, I'm not betting South Carolina. The projection I have on them is 4.4, well below, but I've been here before. I was here last year and Shane Beamer and his shades and his TikToks and his everything else. There's no telling what he can do to energize this locker room, get them to come together and play. But this schedule is rough. So, I mean, hats off to them if they go over the win total. But if I had to make a bet, I would go under. There's too much to try to repair on this defense that was near dead last and finishing drives. Almost anyone that got within the 40 put points up on the board against South Carolina last year. And that is a tough thing to coach. So we'll see what they do. I'm, I'm still betting under on these guys, and I'll be against them definitely when Arkansas comes to town. The new uh, you're not making friends in Columbia. All right. Great place to tailgate, by the way. Here, it just means more. All right, um, let's go to the last two teams, Missouri and Vanderbilt. Missouri's 60-1 to to win the SCs. Vanderbilt's 500-1. to Both recently named starting quarterbacks from quarterback competitions. It looks like Missouri is going to go with Brady Cook, and it looks like Vanderbilt is going to go with Mike Wright over Seals. Wright is the more mobile one. I think they like his legs and what he can do from that perspective, especially when you have offensive line problems. Missouri's defense actually started to improve at the end of last year, but now you lose, you know, new defensive coordinator and you lose three position coaches on the defensive side of the ball. You're really relying on transfers. I mean, you lost your entire defensive line room, one linebacker and one cornerback to the NFL. D should stay four two five, but you'll replace the third corner with a safety. So I do have some questions about the defense and the continuity there. And then on the offensive end, they couldn't throw the ball at all last year. They need they have some talent on the outside. They need these receivers to step up, but the quarterback play has just been so questionable. I'm not sure that improves, but it can't get much worse than what Basilek showed at times last year. The problem is they lose Tyler Beatty and two of their best offensive linemen, and Beatty did everything for them, just a complete workhorse. Uh, they do have seven winnable games, you know, without major upsets on the schedule. Their win total is over five and a half plus one twenty-five. They finished five hundred each of the past three years. This is year three for Drinkwitz, and he's brought in some good recruiting classes. They have some promising transfers. Can he put it all together? Probably comes down to the quarterback and how this defense comes together. No play for me here. Any thoughts on Missouri? I'll be hitting Kansas State in week two against Missouri, and Drinkwitz is still looking for people to, A, understand his playbook, and B, run it. So we'll see if Cook who was named way earlier as quarterback than I expected. But I guess that's either how much confidence they have in him or B, they know he has so much upside. Let's start building the confidence in him so that he can actually execute uh, the offense. But the numbers are really bad. They were 118th in explosive play rate on offense. Uh, (laughs) And then on defense, uh, they were 115th and third down conversions. Everybody converted a third down against them. So, you know, we'll see what they can do. Uh, but I, I am not a fan of this schedule. I think Drink Drinkwitz knows that he has to get something going here. But one of the games that you have to have to get over this win total is that Kansas State game. And Kansas State is nasty in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And that's going to be an issue for a Missouri offense that's, you know, still green, trying to learn, brand new. And then the defense on the other side, near dead last and finishing drives and outside the top 100 defensive success rate. And they do not cause any havoc whatsoever. So, uh, you know, you know, good luck to Missouri. Uh, I enjoyed Drinkwitz. Your boys. Yeah, I enjoyed Drinkwitz at uh, SEC Media Days. I, I, we called him a filibuster Drinkwitz because he got up there and talked for about 20 minutes. No one got to ask any questions. But uh, listen, they don't have a they don't have a true quarterback in place. This is going to be tough sledding for Missouri. My prediction: they beat Arkansas to close out the year to go over the win total. All right. Um, Let's close out here with Vanderbilt. Vandy, like I said, 500 to win the win the East. Over two and a half wins plus 110. They've lost 21 straight in the SEC. Mike Wright named the starting quarterback. Major questions on the offensive line, the defensive line. This trench just can't really compete in the SEC. New defensive coordinator, Nick Howell, is going to try and create some pressure. Linebacker, the strength of the defense, everything else is 
up in question. They even lost their best offensive lineman to Alabama. How's the Bronco Mendenhall protege? We'll see what he can do, but doesn't have a lot to work with. This win total, if you want to bet the over, I mean, good luck to you if you do. You're assuming they win at Hawaii. They're seven-point favorites now, and then they have Elon at home. I mean, I've seen Vandy. Vandy almost lost to UConn, I think, last year. But if you assume they start 2-0, and it's like, where do you get the third win? I mean, they're at NIU. They're home against Wake. And by the way, news just came out today that Sam Hartman was going to be out indefinitely. Major, major downgrade to the backup if that ends up being the case. And the guy that Clawson really liked ended up uh, transferring out, you know, as the future quarterback. However, this is from a friend of a friend, so I don't have any inside information. But from what I heard within the last hours, he's going to be fine and, like, play week one. So I don't know. Uh, just throwing that out there. But maybe you get Wake at home, and if Hartman's not playing, maybe you win that game. Um, but, like, I, I don't know where the third one's coming from. They lost 21 straight in the SEC. At NIU, at Bama, Ole Miss at home, at Georgia, at Missouri, who's off of a bye. South Carolina at home, you'll say that's their win. At Kentucky, Florida at home, Tennessee at home. So it's going to be tough to get the third win, assuming they win at Hawaii, which isn't a given. They're seven-point favorites. Um, and then take care of business against Elon. Uh, I think the number is around right. Um, but you couldn't get me to bet this over. You already got me to bet Kansas over. Are you going to try to get me to bet Vanderbilt over? Top five hardest schedule, by the way. doesn't help. Well, Vanderbilt's going to be the best program in the nation if you ask Clark Lee. We know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. But you're right. I don't I don't know how they get to three wins here. Uh, I do believe Hawaii is going to be a win. I've already betted in the award-winning Action Network app. But there's going to be a lot of trading in that game. Six and a halves are going to get a lot of Vanderbilt money. Seven halves are going to get a lot of Hawaii money. Uh, but you know, at least Vanderbilt's coming into year two with Clark Lee as to where Hawaii is like, it's not starting from scratch. There's just nothing to scratch. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> Timmy Chang has got a, a, a heck of a job in front of him, uh, to try to get that team to do anything. I'm, I'm looking at that over too. I imagine that, I mean, Hawaii's defense is, they lost everything, everything possible they lost. And I imagine that Vanderbilt, you know, will be able to move the ball a bit. They got, <laughs> you would hope. And then, you know, Vanderbilt's defense can't get any pressure whatsoever. And you would think that with, with Chang, they're going to go, you know, it's going to be air raid, run and shoot, and they're going to go really fast is my assumption. The problem is, like, you could just see horrific execution in this game from the offenses, like, down in the red zone and bad mistakes. So, yeah, I'm looking at the over at 55, but uh, we'll see if I end up getting there. And, but, and, you know, I think they've already named Mike Wright as, as quarterback, and he can scoot. Yep. I mean, he's going to make some explosive plays. And then it, it, just in some weird world, Vanderbilt does have a big lead. Ken Seals is, you know, a very serviceable backup there from a throwing the ball perspective. And they like to do a lot of quick game passing, right? Let's try to cut down on the havoc allowed with the INTs and stuff like that by throwing real fast. And, uh, you know, it's a Clark Lee defense. He comes from Notre Dame, formerly underneath uh, Mike Elko. So you're going to see a lot of 425 aggressive with the blitz dropping eight and passing down. So there's, I think, a big coaching mismatch with that Hawaii game, which is another reason that I hit it. But as far as getting over, you know, the win total, when you're going to march into DeKalb, Illinois, and you're going to be a seven-point dog, maybe another, maybe eight-point dog to Northern Illinois, and you're an SEC team, you got a tough schedule ahead of you. So uh, no way, no thanks. I'm, I'm betting on this win total. All right, it's time to bring in a personal friend of mine and one of the most uh, well-known people in Lexington and on the streets of Kentucky, Mr. Drew Franklin. Drew, thanks for coming on. Excited to talk some uh, Kentucky football with you, brother. Of course. Anything for you in the Action Network, and I appreciate you throwing on some UK gear today. Is that just because I'm here, or is this an everyday thing since you're a Lexingtonian? It depends on uh, if my wife is if Max mad at me or not, and I'm trying to get on her good side. But, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm trying to get on – you're a good side a little as well, but I'm an adopted Kentucky fan. And I try to tell everyone, I, cause that's not from here now that I've been here for a couple of years, just how big Kentucky basketball is. Yeah. I mean, that, that, what everyone's talking about, I talked to mo like multiple people today about the fact that Kentucky is in the Bahamas. You go to Drew's bar, Cass bar though. I think they're you're having an event there, right? For it. Yeah. Giving away $500 at halftime of every game. We're so excited to party. We're going to pretend like we're at the beach. I uh, can't wait to check that out as well. But let's move on to football, the more pressing topic for most outside of Lexington. 
Kentucky football expectations. I think they just came on the coach's poll number 21. Uh, this is a team you got to give a lot of credit to what Stoops has done. I think this is a team that won double-digit games once between 78 and 2018, and they've done it twice since 2018, including last year. There is a lot of change, but you got Will Levis back. Let's start with, I think, the, the biggest question that I have. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. It's kind of a two-part question. New offensive coordinator, but he comes from the Shanahan tree, right? A lot of the same schemes, philosophically similar. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on if you expect any change or growing pains in that aspect. But more importantly, I would say the foundation of this Kentucky team as a whole and their newfound success in recent seasons has been, you know, the big blue wall and the offensive line, which has just been so good. And there's a lot of turnover. You lose a couple guys to the NFL, another, and then your left tackle, Rosenthal, who gave up one sack last year. And I don't think he's on an NFL roster now, but I have a feeling he'll find his way on to one. So first two-part question, are you concerned at all with the offensive coordinator change? And then more importantly, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? Really like the hire and the players seem to like the hire, but I, I mean, I admit there are some concerns, uh, not really a proven play caller, not a lot of success, success, especially at the college level coming from the NFL. I do like that. They kept that Shanahan NFC West NFL system going, even yeah. though with Rich Scangarello, who they uh, hired from the 49ers, uh, he's doing it a little differently and he's being very secretive. I actually was just in an interview with him this morning. And I mean, he is revealing nothing and bragging about how he's revealing nothing because he doesn't want Florida in week two to know what's coming his way. But having been to an open practice, uh, we have a fullback. Uh, we got those back, not the quite uh, Mike Allstott style, but he's worked that in. That's something Lee and Cohen didn't do last year. And he's really, really, really looking at the tight ends, which is a very, very deep group. Again, Play calling, I say, was a slight concern, but overall, we're, we're pretty excited to have him in Kentucky, and the players really like the system. Every day, they're watching 49ers film, and then when we get to talk to them, they're so excited, and like our tight ends have been watching Kittle, and you got check and we got receivers thinking they can be Debo. So at least keeping that NFL continuity is good, and, and we'll see how it translates on the field. But right now, he's not revealing much. Offensive line, obviously, question marks. As you said, Dare Rosenthal uh, was great last year, LSU transfer. Uh, the Falcons picked him up, and then he kind of disappeared from that roster. So I'm not sure where he'll end up, but I agree with you that he's a pro. And then Darian Kennard is another huge loss. Went to the NFL, high draft pick. Those two tackle spots, you've got some unproven talent. Uh, Jeremy Flax is one of the guys I think he'll be okay. But overall, the line I think will be a slight dip. But the culture is still there with Kenneth Horsey, a veteran. And then I think at center, Eli Cox, they're moving him over from guard. He's a guy when Kentucky signed out of just outside Lexington, Honestly, we thought it was like throwing a bone to the local kid. Did not expect him to be a major contributor, just some depth. There is some buzz about him at center filling in for Luke Fortner, who the Jacksonville Jaguars love. And I think he's going to be a name a lot of people are going to know. And it's really helped out uh, the hire, Jack, uh, Zach Yenzer, another 49ers guy that was this Gangarello. Uh, he, he was from that old Slarman mold, uh, the big blue wall, and that culture is still there. Just the tackle spots, a little inexperienced, so we won't know until they really start playing in there. But inside, I think they're good. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, week two, Florida. There's a lot of change with the Kentucky offense, and it's not like they have the luxury. Of, you know, Miami, Ohio is not a, no cakewalk either. I mean, they're 20-point favorites, but, they, you know, they have a really good quarterback, and they, it's not like Kentucky has the luxury of, like, three, you know, an FCS opponent and then New Mexico State, and they have Florida week two. <laughs> so two questions I have to round out the offense. I, I'm sure you're going to say you have nothing for me, but the big question is – with Chris, the two most talented players in the offense outside of the quarterback last year were Wondell Robinson, who's gone at receiver. He was number one in the nation as far as yeah, responsible for explosive plays. Responsible for 43% of the explosive pass plays for Kentucky. He's gone. There's still some talent um, that I know a lot of people in Lexington are excited about, but you have to replace him now in the NFL. And then Rodriguez, this you know, Kentucky star back, his status has been a topic of conversation all summer. I know they brought in some depth help with the Juco Ramon Jefferson, but any update on who Rodriguez is practicing, I believe, but uh, it's just, just hush is the word. So, so far. Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question. I, I can't go to the grocery without the, the lady ringing up my groceries, asking me about Chris Rodriguez. Having been at the facility a few times, he's a full participant. I think we'll see him in some form. First, they have to address he an off season DUI. Um, I think we can assume that'll be at least a game, but Mark Stoops has not said anything about that. And then there's a second matter that resurfaced in the summer. 
I have a pretty good idea of what that is, but it's it's pretty hush. It's not something, you know, I mean, DUI is obviously awful. It's not something that makes him a bad person or anything. It's just a really unique situation. I don't know if they will sit him out for it or play him. Uh, Stoops has been asked many times. We get a no comment every time. I think what it boils down to it, that Florida game is so important. I mean, yeah. it's SEC football. I think he'll play, but it's it's a big mystery right now, and there's not a lot of people wanting to talk about it. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out. I think he will miss that first game. As you said, Miami, Ohio is a tough opponent, but I don't see Mark Stoops uh, sitting him out at Florida. Maybe Stoops says it's a two-game suspension, but he's only suspended for the uh, two MAC games and plays week two. Um, Listen, I'm a big, I'm a big homer. I, I, I think really punishing him all the non-conference games except Louisville would be a great way to hit him. I, I'll throw that out there, but uh, it, it, it could be as many as four. I don't think it'll be any past four, but it, it is a very unique situation that'll come to light eventually, and Stoops will have to put something out there, and the clock's ticking on that. Uh, you asked about receivers too. Wondell Robinson is a player unlike anything we've really seen around Kentucky. I mean, every yeah. five years we might get a Randall Cobb or, or something, but the way Levis was just able to single him out last year when the receiver room didn't really help around Robinson in that Citrus Bowl game where that last drive, I mean, everyone on Iowa's defense, a top 10 defense, yeah, knew it was going to secondary. Robinson, and he still went the leak to the field making plays. That is going to be impossible to replace, but they have a lot of young talent. Uh, Barry and Brown is a four-star receiver who's walking around like he should already be in the NFL. Uh, Dane Key is a freshman who's going to start. There's a lot of swagger there because they've recruited a new type of athlete, but none of these guys have been on the field yet. Tavion Robinson for Virginia Tech, another big name, is kind of the new Robinson on the team, but I don't think it's fair to put Wandell expectations on him. So collectively, it's a big group. There, No one's a Wandell in there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the defense, you know, they, they lose some key pieces. Um, McQuall, their defensive tackle, you lose Yusuf Corker at safety. There's and then you know linebacker looks really solid for the Kentucky defense, but there's some you know Pascal obviously at defensive ends. He lost some talent to the NFL. The defense has generally been solid. The pass defense took took a step back last year, but they were really unlucky in turnovers across the board. So if you're a Kentucky fan, that's one thing that you're hoping for this year is better turnover luck. I mean, so just if you look at like pass deflections to interceptions and their turnover margin, there's a a good chance that they might get positive regression in that aspect. But they do have to replace some key pieces. What are you most concerned about on the defense? And do you think we'll see a, a dip or an improvement in the past defense? What are your overall thoughts there? A week ago, I would have quickly replied cornerback because, I mean, last year that I think held them back from being even better. They were really weak at that spot. They yeah. added a lot of pieces. And then the man, the one returner, the one experienced player, Carrington Valentine, he looked like a different human in the open practice last Saturday. I have new confidence in him. And uh, they added an Ole Miss transfer, some new bodies there. It, it's still a big concern, but not as concerning. Uh, the nickel spot, which is a, a, a position Stoops really likes to use, they had a great player in Vito Tisdale. Yeah, he's out for the year, right? Yeah, and he's a rocket. He's the type of guy that's looking to knock someone's head off. A lot of fun to watch, out for the year. And then they thought uh, Joel Williams could replace him, and he just transferred last week. So nickel's a big question mark. But overall, the defense, as you said, that linebacking group, they have so many dogs. I don't know how they're going to play them all. I, I think it'll be one of the top two, three linebacking cores in the SEC. Lots of veterans, uh, lots of star power. Defensive line's young, but I think there's a bright future. But I think the secondary will determine what that defense does, specifically the new cornerbacks and how they fill that nickel spot. Yeah. Well, hopefully at Florida, it doesn't – you know, Anthony Richardson has had accuracy issues, and um, hopefully, that you know, they can – They'll need some time to gel with some new pieces around. Um, but that's definitely going to be an important game on the Kentucky schedule with, you know, some new pieces on defense, new pieces on offense, new coordinator. You mentioned how important that game is. It probably like sets the tone for the entire Kentucky season. Um, their win total sitting around seven and a half, eight. You know, maybe it comes down to that game and then Louisville at the end of the year. Um, they do host Georgia. Are you dreaming big with uh, an SEC uh, SEC division title? I was about to say SEC title, but I don't think anyone's beaten Alabama this year. Um, are you dreaming big with a division title? What is the kind of the the ceiling for this team? And uh, I assume you're you're going to tell me that people should bet the over on their window. Uh, actually, I might surprise you on that. But as far as the Georgia game, we are dreaming dreams we've never dreamt before. Here, we we realize it's still a long shot. 
But I think this is the first year you can actually have that conversation. Last year was Kentucky. Kentucky was pretty optimistic going down there, but also Georgia had the 85 Bears on defense, and it was at Athens. This year you're still going to be a big underdog, but if they, they've played well up to that point, I mean, it's not impossible that they're undefeated when that game comes to town. I mean, that's something UK fans have never really experienced. A few years ago, uh, the Josh Allen year, another Citrus Bowl victory, the record was good when Georgia came to town, but it didn't have quite the implications that it would this year. So that's something fans are talking about a lot. We, we put a poll out recently. You know, this is a basketball school. And it was, are you more excited about football or basketball? And it was 90% football, which is unheard of in Lexington. And it's all around that Georgia game. As you said, Florida week two, I think, can really decide it because they have non-conference home uh, and then two non-conference games after Florida. So that's the difference between three and one and four and oh going into Ole Miss. Ole Miss, another winnable game. I mean, Kentucky could be five and oh before playing their first first home SEC game. So I really think what happens in Gainesville is going to set the tone. Yeah, and you hope they don't just – every once in a while, Kentucky will have a, a really head-scratching home game. You hope that doesn't come to fruition against, like, Miami, Ohio, or Northern Illinois. Like, almost that, that Chattanooga scare last year, um, which uh, well, that was – that got pretty scary. But, yeah, the, the good thing – the really thing I love about that game, because there's going to be so much buzz, uh, you know, as long as Kentucky doesn't have a super disappointing season, especially if they're undefeated. But the one thing I really like about their schedule is they play Vandy at home the week before. Like, they're not – at South Carolina or, you know, they're not playing someone that's – they're, they're at home in a, a game that they should easily win and not get – they might not cover, but they might not – they're not going to get caught, like, looking ahead and drop that game, I don't think, at least, fingers crossed. Um, all right, so final – who do you think – my final question, who do you think ends up winning the division? Go to your head right now. I mean – in Georgia? Yeah, we're dreaming, and, I, you know, I – I've, I've had visions of, you know, storming that field and everybody coming to our bar down the street and Kentucky's going to Atlanta. And I've joked about, I've already booked my rooms, but Georgia's still Georgia. Kentucky's closer than they've ever been. They were just picked second in the SEC East for maybe at the, the first time ever. They're ranked in the coaches poll for the first time ever. This really is uncharted territory for Kentucky. It's just a matter of what they're going to do with it. This under Mark Stoops, they've been so good at being the underdog. Most of the years, I think, Hell, well, the last five, I think the, the win totals have gone over, gone to bowl games they didn't expect. But now they're everyone's speaking highly of them. They're voted second. Yep. This is new territory. How will they react? So uh, we'll see how it all goes. But it's exciting times here in Lexington. Uh, just, we're trying not to get too excited because that program has been known to let us down at times, but they're in good shape heading into the year. I'm not kidding when I say there's people that would rather just beat Georgia than go to a Final Four in basketball. We've been to Final Fours, got a couple of those. We want to keep doing that. But football has never done this, ever, 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 where they are right now. And if they can take it one step farther, it'll be un unlike anything we've seen in Lexington. Get the couches out. We're burning them. I might even get a teardrop tattoo for uh, Ugga. I mean, that's how excited we'll be. Yeah, it'll be uh, quite a party. I remember last year just cheering. We were, I was down at Stagger. We went crazy when uh, Kentucky punched in it at the end, they called a timeout. Shout out to Soups to cover. Um, we were going nuts there, so I can't imagine a victory. Look, the silver lining after all this is there, there's some cupcakes on the schedule, and none of them are named St. Peter's. So uh, hopefully it's good things ahead for Kentucky. Appreciate you as always. Go Cats. Yeah, looking forward to all your all's content. You helped me throughout the year try to stay in the green. So I'm excited for everything coming, coming from action this fall. All right, brother. See you, man. All right. Thanks, Drew, as always. If you're ever in Lexington, more than welcome to come stop by here at my house. And you, you want to check out Stagger in downtown and then also KS Bar. You can find Drew Franklin on Twitter and always check out Kentucky Sports Radio. All right, before we get out of here, Colin, quickly, favorite future and win total from the SEC East. I'll start. It's Kentucky under. Sorry, Drew. Sorry, all my friends and family. Sorry to my dog. But, yeah, I'm, I think this Kentucky team has more questions than answers. I show some value. In the number, also there's expectation on this team now, and that's something that Kentucky is not used to dealing with. The offensive line is my biggest concern. That's something that's been a constant at Kentucky. My favorite future from the SEC East, it's, I guess it's, it's the only one I bet, so I'll throw it, is just a, a, a dark, some couch change on Tennessee. And the hope is that the defense would improve and you steal the game in Athens. Colin? Yeah, as much as you're trying to goat me into a Tennessee under, I'm going to pass on that, and I'll go with a Florida under. No shocker there, but it's not like – Billy Gillespie. Yeah, not, not a personal uh, bias against Mr. Billy, uh, not Gillespie. 
No, it, it there it's just a you know it's a young coach in the SEC with a young team with a young quarterback and not a lot of proven experience on both sides of the ball. Big task to ask these guys on defense to come back. Uh, you know, from the from a line yards perspective, from a coverage perspective, to the fact that they couldn't get any pressure at any time. Uh, this is going to be a problem in the SEC, and the schedule does them absolutely no favors. A bye week in the middle of the schedule, and then after that, it's like a complete road show. Not a lot of easy victories on this schedule whatsoever, and with a new coach in his first year, uh, it, it, this, you know, the Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham era is, is now at an end, and we've got completely different schemes and a different uh, culture there. And I think that's going to take time to put in. So give me under on Florida. Um, I, I've, I have it marked at six. So I played all the way down to that. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks as always to Colin. And thanks to Drew again for joining us. It's time for us to go get ready to do the SEC West betting preview. It's nonstop here. But thanks, of course, to you guys for tuning in and everyone on the back end who makes this podcast possible. Matt Mitchell, our producer, and Al, our video team, of course, as well. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, five-star review. They really help us out, uh, especially now that we're getting back going. Our producer, Matt Mitchell, why don't you list a couple names uh, for some of the giveaways? I've selected five winners who have left five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts for BBOC. Thank you to each and every reviewer. I'll be pulling a number of reviews on every episode through week one so please continue the positive reviews you will have your choice between an action network hoodie or a one-year action pro subscription on the action app first review is from go cats 07 it is will levis for heisman making fun of brett liking stetson bennett for heisman the next reviewer is ha ha i i i r n n and a bunch of nonsense it's best college football podcast, also making fun of Brett for liking Stetson Bennett. Next one is from a random Raider. Stuck is the man. Our fourth is Oki Red Raider. Review was the best. And finally, reviewer going to play every day with a review titled My Ears Have Missed This. Thank you as well. You are our final recipient this week. All of you guys can email me personally at podcasts, plural, podcasts, at actionnetwork.com, or DM me on Twitter at oldboyunclemitch. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode for even more giveaways. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out.